Welcome back to Jackson Transplants, the Welcome Committee for Transplants. Jacksonians welcome, but not necessary. exciting weekend so i was at the capitol uh both days in both houses i was very lucky to be able to uh squeeze my way in to uh see the action yeah. um it was very uh powerful uh, yeah. to be in in the room where it happens that's what i was wondering like what the feeling would be like when that happened both days so you know it was a very long process both days. So I got there on Saturday at about 9.30 in the morning, and I was there until about 5.30 or 6.30 in the evening. And that it was very long, um, and there were some moments where it was kind of like, will they, won't they? And, and I was texting you know, people as much as I could and saying, hey, we, these are the ones we need to be, boats we need to be working on. And yeah. we were just doing what we could to try to, um, you know, make it happen and um there were moments where up until really they called the votes where it was um uh very tense very quiet because everybody in in the galleries up there is, is the public and so there's a very very like reverence for the process and kind of watching and we're all trying to you know be respectful and we can't really react and we can't yeah. like you know so it was very tense up there and, and it's hard to tell really what's going on. Do you watch people's reactions down on the floor and then they're moving around and it's very tense. But then when they announced the uh, votes, it's just like very electric. And yeah, it was very encouraging just to see it was very clearly a bipartisan effort. And people were just like, this is the time. And it's been past time as we right. know, but to have gotten so many people in, in the House and in the Senate on board with this, even yesterday, they had more votes in support of the bill than they did to suspend the rules, which yeah. was not expected. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was quite, uh, quite a moment. Yeah, yeah. I bet, well, I feel good about the future. I do too. I think yeah. there's a lot more work to be done, obviously. This right. Is, a very small action. It has a lot more um, like meaning than some some other thing. Not like than just like a, a regular bill. It means a lot. It sets a good precedent. Right. Um, and people are going to react. I mean, I've already felt it myself, um, yeah. and I know other people have, especially some of the elected officials. Um, but I I think it's a very good sign. I, there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of people who who would not have said the flag needs to come down. You know five years ago that are like, okay, I get it now. Yeah. I, I see it now. And that's encouraging. Yeah. I still think it's the minority who are upset about it. And yeah. I mean, I don't know. It'll pass. I think between the majority of us and pressure outside of Mississippi. Yes. And it's I be think some that 
go ahead. It's gonna be there's gonna be some reactions. And, it is. Yeah, but you know, my, like last night we have we have a, a flag tag and a, a bumper sticker, and and my wife and I like we, there was a guy that tried to kind of run us off the road. We're pretty sure it's because of that that Whoa. tag. Um, yeah. it, it was a very and it was like hours after the decision was made, and so. Yeah. I was just kind of crazy to have that experience and that so immediate. Um, yeah. And and I expected it, but it just so fast. But I think we'll I think we'll just let them cool down. Everybody, you know, chill out, and then we can you know really start to educate people. I think that the process that the that the legislature took. Um, will be well documented. This is the right way to do it. It is yeah. a legislative process. They heard the concerns of some uh, elected officials for the need to let the people speak, and they're going to do that with this vote on a on a clearly a this is a new flag, yay or nay. Yeah, it's not a keep the old one or do a new one. We learned that lesson. Yeah, uh, but this still allows the people to have a say in what the new flag is going to look like, but it takes it through the right process. Yeah, I will say one thing. I told my husband yesterday because uh, we took the toddler to the reservoir to fly a kite, and we like to drive around. You know, like you're a planner as well. Like we just like to drive around, look at different neighborhoods and different amenities and features and stuff. And I told him that this might be a time we want to stay close to home. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> As I don't think we should be venturing out like we, because I mean, we take all kinds of back roads up to like two and three hours away from Jackson, like just places you wouldn't think existed that's barely paved. And I said, I, you know, this might be a time we want to stay in the city for a little while. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, somebody was saying that they think that people just, you know, fly the, the flag. And I'm like, well, at this point, that just is a clear sign of right. where they fall on things. You know, it's a, we know where you stand. Right. Fly right. away. I'm going to stay we were, away. Uh, in the neighborhood adjacent. Well, it was, I don't know what part of Byram it was, but it was like a ton of, it wasn't a ton of trailers, but it was a ton of trailers and, and mixed with homes and stuff and the lake and stuff. And I started seeing the flags pop up and I was like, so we need to leave this neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. So not, yeah. not a necessarily welcoming place. No, nope. But so let's get to you. You are a native. Tell yes, me what I am. it was like growing up in Jackson and, uh, why stay? A lot of people like leave for college and great, don't ever come back. Absolutely. That's a great question. So I, I grew up in Bellhaven. Um, I've lived here all my life, except for when I was in Starville in college. Um, mm -hmm. I love this neighborhood. I think it's a great example. Actually, I wrote a, one of my first papers in grad school in Dr. Kumar's class was mm -hmm. uh, about how all that this neighborhood has to offer. And, uh, you know, while it is you know, people think, oh, Bellhaven. Uh, and, and I get every piece of that, that kind of feeling. It, it is very rich in its kind of housing type diversity and yeah. even socioeconomic. It's not as diverse as, as we would like for it to be, but it is right. a great model to get in that direction. Um, you can go to church in the neighborhood. You can go to elementary school. You can go to uh, high school, middle school, college, uh, you can go to the grocery store. You can work. You can, you can do everything in Bellhaven if you need. If it was just its own thing, you can do it all. It's got parks. It's got sidewalks. Right. It's got everything, and and that's a that's a privilege that I had growing up. And and I I really want to be able to 
share that with everybody because I had a great experience growing up here. My grandparents lived down the street. We live in the house that they that they lived in and we bought a couple years ago. And it's just a, I, I always say, you know, it's the most architecturally diverse neighborhood in America. And you know what? This is why I would say Fondren and Bellhaven, I know people get tired of that, but I would say they are my favorite neighborhoods for that particular reason, just because I'm from New Orleans. And to me, neighborhoods are supposed to have everything you need. I mean, like I said, that goes back to the planning part of us. Everything you need in a neighborhood and that's why I left Bellhaven maybe once or twice and came right back because I'm like being close to downtown when I used to work downtown or being able to walk places, walk to restaurants, walk to parks. So I would love to see it happen in other parts of the city eventually. But yeah, that's why as of right now, like it is my favorite neighborhood because I, I reside here as well. Yeah, it, it, it like you said, has everything and it has that. It's like when you go on a walk, you're always going to see something new yeah. and you're always going to, you know, find something new and unique. And I, I think what's important and what I try to do in some of the work that I do with the city is, is use what I have as far as a voice goes and with the neighborhood to say, okay, you guys have got it figured out really well. And let's engage other neighborhoods and help them figure out how to get there. I think that's what's really can be really powerful about the way that the city of Jackson can move forward as far as connecting our networks and neighborhoods, because we yeah. can be very siloed. Bellhaven is Bellhaven, Fondren's Fondren, you know, uh, downtown is downtown. Everybody's kind of their own thing, but Midtown's Midtown. But, and, and I think oftentimes with the way that Jackson's laid out very physically, and you, you and I both get this is the roads and the, empty lots and the railroad tracks and the interstate can divide those those groups and keep mm -hmm. them segmented. Um, I think that's where it's exciting to see some of the work that's being done by the planning department to see the ways that they're trying to use different in urban interventions to say, let's, let's break through those barriers and let's uh, connect those through some sort of human scale walkability exercise or some sort of, uh, you know, collaborative work and, and rethink the way that our city's connected. Uh, and I, I think Detroit often suffers from the same thing because they have so much land mm -hmm. and um, we have a lot of land. And so ways to rethink the unused land when we think about, um, you know, reprogramming that urban forestation, reforestation, urban gardening um, to help kind of rethink those spaces and bring our community closer together. And I think that Bellhaven, Bellhaven Heights is a good way that they're starting to do those relationships and, and bring those together. I have a criteria for my neighborhood. It is very simple, but if it does not meet these two things, I will not stay in the neighborhood. Sidewalks and trees. If it does yes. not have a sidewalk, I don't care how nice the house look, what school is next door? I don't care. If it does not have a sidewalk, I'm not moving into the neighborhood. Because it, it tells me there's no amenities nearby. Yes, and it, and they don't value the importance of that human scale development. They don't, you know, it. everything you have to do in that neighborhood is going to be have to be done by car. Right. Even if it's going to the neighborhood pool, because yes. it's so, you know, these winding streets and they're spread out all over and but that's a great, those are two great criteria because it, 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 you know, they speak to a much larger 
reasoning behind why you're going to choose to live in a certain neighborhood. Right, right. And I guess I have like a laundry list. We can probably have that conversation. I want to do like a planning panel because I've had a lot of planners on my podcast. But uh, so just tell me about your career because from what I know, so you went to school for architecture and planning and you worked in there, that field, but then you did other stuff. And then now you are deputy director of human and cultural services. Yeah, it's very, it, it, it seems like very um, wandering, but it all it feels like relates. it's like it's separate, but together at the same time. Yes, I, I will say that the education that I had at both Mississippi State and JSU in architecture, urban planning influence at, so things that I do every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so when I started architecture school, I was like, I'm going to go to some big city and live there and build skyscrapers or something yeah and I started to travel with architecture school at Mississippi State we were we were very fortunate that we got to go on these field trips every semester or every year that was somewhere further out and the more that I did that the more that I started to fall in love with sort of the urban fabric and and what can be done and the exciting things that are happening there and then the more that I would come back home the more I realized there's so much opportunity to do that here and there's so much um capacity to do that here you uh, like <laughs> that's why i can't leave people we're, always are like well, why don't you leave i said i can't i can never leave <laughs> yeah i think we're cut from the same thread akili and i i think it's just in our in our who we are and yeah. and so I, I came back and and did fifth year architecture school and just and i honestly i mean i I, I think it was the Lord kind of telling me you need to stay here. And, and I had a job in Nashville after school and I didn't take it. And I had another job offer here and I took that and it wasn't the best job. Um, it wasn't the right job for me. And I knew at that point that I really was interested in going to urban planning and urban design. I had applied for, uh, and, and been accepted to JSU to start that program. And I, I needed another job if I was going to leave the job that I was in. And I talked to my friend, Tammy Golden, who was at the Arts Council at the time. And she was like, we need a part-time person to do social media and help us kind of launch our uh, early fall fundraiser event. And so I was like, sure, I'll take it. You know, they were like, okay, great. And so I started there and, and was not at the other job. And and, and I was going to do that during, during school. And I did. I, I worked at the Arts Council part-time throughout that entire time in grad school. And I also worked a little bit for another architecture firm, but it was at that point I was working two part-time jobs, full-time grad school. And my wife and I were dating long distance. It was too much. (laughs) And so it was way too much. And what I found was that I was at a point where I was really interested in working kind of on the opposite side of an architecture firm, working with owners and developers to change their perspective and their opinion, specifically in Mississippi, about the type of architecture that they want because what i noticed was there's not a lot of exciting architecture and it's not necessarily the fault of the design firm more so that i found design firms were a little bit um, hesitant to uh to propose kind of more exciting ideas because clients aren't really interested in doing something new if nobody else in mississippi hasn't done it first and so i was like well let me prove to them the the reason why you might want to be the first to do something and so I was working in that sphere with and, and serving with downtown Jackson partners on their advisory board and with team Jackson and kind of making those networks. And then at the arts council, I was, uh, I was doing what they had asked me. And then I started getting involved in kind of bringing public art back into the scene and, and kind of championing that I, I realized that 
there was nobody whose job it was to wake up every day and say, how do we get more public art? And so yeah. that was what I kind of challenged myself to do. And, and that transformed into working with food, revamping Food Truck Friday. And, and we really expanded that from about two, 300 people uh, and two, three or three to five trucks into like over a thousand people each time and at least a dozen trucks. And it was regularly and monthly and it really kind of took off, which is really great. And then I finished my degree and, and I was going to go, I had offered to go into the planning department and then this offer came up to work in, in the cult, human and cultural services department under Mr. Raff. Mm -hmm. And he was deputy director at the time. And um, I was going to be the manager of the art center, but work kind of with him on the five facilities that he oversees. Mm -hmm. And um, they brought me on board. Um, Dr. Kidd brought me on board and I started working in that field. And then uh, Mr. Raff retired a year later. And I was kind of thrown into that role very quickly after I started. Um, and actually he retired. No, he didn't retire a year later. He, he um, retired a few months later. And then I went into that role. And so that role is Value Mora Hall, overseeing and managing Value Mora Hall and all of its operations. It's the Art Center, the Planetarium, the Smith Robertson Museum, and the Municipal Art Gallery. I and have to say, that sounds like a lot of work, but it also sounds like a dream job. It is, you know, I really love it. It's got its challenges. Like yeah. every day is something new, but every day is different. And I get to engage my design and urban context and, and kind of the interest in that because, you know, it, that little block is the planetarium, the art center, the Thalia Mar Hall and the, the Museum of Art. And it's kind of like my little city. And I get to kind of propose ideas and, and think about how to, how to make those spaces better, even if it's a small scale. Um, every day. And so I, I really, really enjoy having that ability to work in those spaces and really to take the role as deputy director of cultural services, not just to oversee those five buildings, but really to be a clearinghouse for anything arts and culture related for the city and make sure that, that people feel heard and people feel like they have opportunities and that every opportunity that we have is, is very clearly presented and kind of spoken out. Cool. So side note, it's a sidebar conversation and you can whisper the answer. Did you have a favorite <laughs> teacher in plan in the planning department? That's a great question. I, I whisper really, it if you did. I mean, I really loved, I had um, Dr. Santos for a lot oh, of before classes. he left. Before he left. Yeah. And what I really like, I mean, he focused on urban design and I really yeah. loved all the courses that I took. I took a couple of classes in community development and community uh, organizing. And mm -hmm. uh, I really loved the neighborhood aspect of that, the, the very like root of the grassroots community level. I learned some of the most in those classes. And, and, and in Dr. Santos's classes, he did this, these projects where you would watch a film of, that had to do with planning or architecture yeah. and you write reports but like my two favorite things are like movies and like urban context and so I was like all over it and like let's write about Zootopia and its influence <laughs> on like the urban context <laughs> yeah I will say that I felt like Dr. Santos did not like people who didn't have an architecture background that's very <laughs> I can definitely see that I, I, I I'm not gonna lie I got he was the only bees I got in the program Wow. I would have had a 4.0 if it wasn't for him and his two Bs that he gave me. So wow. I was like, I cannot help it that I come from a peasant political science background. <laughs> but you it know. was so interesting. You know, a lot of 
there are very few people who go to that program with an architecture background. Right. And I think that was probably the, the largest surprise for me. And it's not that that's, it was just that I think that that program takes on a policy perspective naturally, mm-hmm. um, which is very valuable. And it was valuable for me because I was like, I'm just going to go in and, and learn more about urban design. But I learned a lot more about the policy side, which is where I work a lot and making yeah. sure that and, and advocacy and, and, and community development. That is not what I would have gotten if I'd gone off to some whatever highfalutin urban design program at wherever in some yeah. big city. And, and I specifically wanted to learn in Jackson because I wanted to learn about Jackson. All the work that I did was very specifically rooted in the city because I wanted to be able to study the city. And, yeah. and I, I really enjoyed that. So, um, so how has your experience been like overseeing all of these facilities? Have you seen like prior to the um, apocalypse? I feel like there was an increase in people visiting and I started seeing more information, but then again, I'm friends with everybody. I feel like, and then I'm a employee of the city. So it's easier for me to see, but it seems like there has been, you know. Yeah. So we, um, when I came in, I I realized there was a pretty easy kind of gap to fill with regards to the, the voice of these facilities on social media. And, um, we started with, I started with Thalimara Hall and, and we doubled the, the following on Facebook and, and Instagram went from like literally three followers to like, I don't know how many it is now, it's over a thousand. Um, and just those were some very quick and easy ways to expand that profile and that voice. And then we started, you know, I've, I've been very fortunate to have um, a, a lot of support from the administration to do whatever. And, and I've tried to make sure that when I do something that when I execute it, you know, that it's a, there's a follow through so that they can continue to kind of support that, that they see the value in that. Yeah. Um, and, and one of the things that I tried to do with Thalimara Hall, especially kind of in the first year, year and a half that I was there, that I've been there is to make sure that they were, there was kind of always a moment that we were in the news, whether it was, um, announcing a new Broadway season or, doing a mural project with St. Andrews, which started as, um, that, that project started as like a cleanup day. And then I mm-hmm. said, bring a can of paint. And they painted, uh, that this like ragged bench out on the, on the Pascagoula street side with some pastels. And they were like, they really want to do it again. And so I said, well, how about the students create a, a mural design and then paint themselves and be kind of designed and created by students. So they did that and they want to do it again. So I challenged them even further and I said, well, why don't you, it's St. Andrews, so they've got resources. I said, why don't you use your resources and your abilities and plug into JPS and work with Power APAC and their art students and let then y'all design it together and paint it together. And they did that because JPS doesn't necessarily have the the ability to get the supplies and we don't have the budget to do it. And so St. Andrews is like, we've got the, the, the funding for this project. Why don't y'all tag along and we'll work together in this project. So it was a, a really great collaborative effort. And we did that. And then we did the big crit mural, which happened in like a matter of weeks. And that was really big and flashy. And then we had the prices right and people were lined up out the door. And then we had Les Mis. And then we got to the end of my, what was my first fiscal year. And we had seen a 35% increase in revenue. Oh, wow. 
And a lot of that was due to the fact that we had a busier schedule, but that was a lot because I was very intentional about making sure that our promoters felt very welcome here and that I was engaging them and saying, Hey, I heard that this person's going on tour. Do you think this would be, I think it'd be great here or uh, it's worth a shot. And, and then Medea came in and, and Le Miz was here for a week and we were very fortunate in that we, we were going to have a good year this year too, but um then COVID happened. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we were seeing a lot of really great progress. There's a lot of areas that we can continue to improve. Um, we're focused now on trying to take evaluation of what we have mm -hmm. and how can we adapt those things in the downtime. And then when we reopen, people come back to like, okay, this is another, you know, this is a nice newer experience. Right. Tell me about the planetarium. I saw that announcement last week and I was like, whoa. Yes. Like, that was so kind of unexpected. It was unexpected because we've been sitting on it for about two or three months. Okay. So, so we had uh, planned to make that announcement at the end of March. Mm -hmm. and in fact, Mike Williams, the director of the planetarium, and I were in DC with the mayor, Dr. Amari, and Dr. Blaine at the beginning of March, when all this started to kind of go crazy, we were up there meeting with um, Congress and advocating for the planetarium and had some phenomenal meetings. And they're all incredibly supportive. And we have now applied for a federal grant for planetarium. We're hoping to hear back soon about that. Fingers crossed, all yeah. the fingers crossed. Uh, and, and then COVID happened. We were going to launch a big crowdfunding campaign, but that was just not the right time to say, hey, you know, give, give me some, some money. <laughs> exactly. And so in the meantime, what we kept doing was we focused on on continuing that work, just saying we're going to pause on the crowdfunding piece and the announcement, but we're going to keep working. And we worked on this grant. We've been advocating for state funding in the bond bill. We'll hopefully find out about that in the next couple of days. Um, and, and we really focused on making sure that this project doesn't you know, skip a beat. And it, mm -hmm. and it still might, we just don't know, but we're going to do our best and we're going to yeah. keep fighting for this. It's not that the project's not going to happen. It's just a matter of when. Yeah. Uh, and, and the reason it happened was because the planet, when I came on board, the planetarium had closed and it closed in April of 2018 and we were I doing a no reroute. Yeah. And it had, it had a leak, uh, from oh. hailstorm damage in 2013. And, it was just got worse and worse. The, the prior manager had kind of skipped over having it redone and we got to a point where it had to be redone. And the, the damage on the inside, um, because the process of the re-roof took so long, despite our efforts, uh, it just got to a point where it was beyond um, salvageable in some mm -hmm. areas. And so, Mike and I took inventory and we said, let's take this opportunity and let's really do some justice to that, that space. People love the planetarium, like love the planetarium. I mean, I've been a couple of times I've seen like movies there. I've been to, what is it? The Indie Week had like events there as well. Yeah. So I thought every time I went it was a cool experience, but it wasn't yes. something I feel like I, I thought about until I saw there was like an event there. Yeah, and so we were all, they were always very good about like always hosting some of the coolest events, weddings, laser shows, concerts, weddings? panels. Yes, weddings. One of my <laughs> friends was the last wedding, one of the last weddings to happen in there. Whoa. And 
um, Price to Move was in there at one point. And oh. yeah, so, but it was always just an event space or a theater experience. And there was not much to say about the exhibitions or anything as far as learning space goes. So Mike and I said, what would happen if we just really redid this thing? And, and I saw an opportunity to, to allow, align this with the city's bicentennial celebration in, in, 20, in, in, a, in 2022. And we just said, what is this gonna look like? And rethink the whole space and, and rethink everything and really give the planetarium in its 40 plus years of history, a full renovation and take it to the next level. So we started that process um, and, and got the mayor and, and Dr. Mari and Dr. Blaine, the administration on board in August of last year. And since then have been really pushing kind of what is the concept and, and, and starting to structure how we're gonna raise money. What is this gonna look like? Um, and then we saw an opportunity last week to to launch the make the announcement, launch the crowdfunding campaign, and launch our uh, summer STEM camp virtually. And that was a really cool experience because we purchased about ten VR headsets, and we got a match of those as well. And we're going to provide a headset to nineteen students for free for a month, and they're going to do STEM summer camp in VR. Wow. Yeah, and we've got all these packets of things that they're going to build. They're going to learn about what they're doing and then they can take the headset off, build their unit and then go back in and learn about something else. Whoa. So the planetarium, we we launched this crowdfunding campaign with the camp and and with the the first look at our our new vision and people can go to yourplanetarium.com and we're not really we don't have a fundraising goal. Yeah. We really just want to have give people the opportunity to plug in, and we've got some amazing limited edition merch. You can only get this one time. You're not going to be able to get it merch. again. Yes, and people can get a seat. We we like we tried to make it to where we could raise money, but you know also afford it. So, in, if you want your name or anybody's name for that matter on a seat, it's three hundred fifty dollars, and you get every other piece of merch that's in the package. And your name is forever in the planetarium's auditorium. I'm gonna and ask Alex to borrow 350 because I would love for her to say like Queen Ashley. She should set up a lemonade stand and um, I think she I should have it real fast. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I love I, the merch. Is there any crop tops? I didn't see. I I don't think there are, <laughs> but I mean we're taking suggestions for the the opening round of everything. When we open up, we're gonna do like some metallic opening day tickets or something and we'll do somebody requested kitten stickers we got kitten buttons but we want stickers so yeah we're taking we're taking requests now okay so yeah. kitten kitten stickers and crop tops yes got it and maybe you should add kitten heels just we can do it we can do anything <laughs> we, I maybe masks you know i don't know maybe so it probably will still not, we probably still won't have a, a vaccine by then. <laughs> probably won't. <laughs> um, so I feel like you were out a lot. I'm not sure. I'm just judging. <laughs> what? I mean, I guess we can't, I guess we should move on from the past. I, would, I was going to ask you what you would recommend prior to the apocalypse, but since we're here now, <laughs> is there any way or any places that you are going safely or 
picking up ours to go, our social distancing. Is there any recommendation for the transplants to like get out and kind of have somewhat of a life or some advice on how to make friends even though you can't see them? <laughs> Absolutely. That is a great question. And it's very hard during this time, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, I would say, you know, I would say connect with people on social media, you know, as you see them interact and stuff. And, and I wouldn't normally recommend that because it's just, you know, whatever, social media is whatever. But if you, it seems like you've got some good mutual friends or they've got some Facebook friends that come highly recommended or something. Yeah. And then, and then two, I think, you know, they're, I, I'm all, we're trying to go out to eat where we feel safe and with masks and there's some, the restaurants in Jackson are doing a good job of that for the most part. And, uh, but then we also get to go, it's very important to um, support our local restaurants right now and our local businesses, our shops, Offbeat, Beacon, um, any of the shops that Highland Beacon Village is. Beacon is open like, again? I, I'm not sure. I, they, okay. Their Facebook would know, but I know they're active on their Instagram. I mean, their they Instagram sure are. They're very I, active on Instagram. And so yeah, maybe I you should can do, like, message orders. her because I needed some art supplies. Yeah, I would say reach out. They're very responsive. Yeah. Um, and, and I know that they need it. And I know that everybody needs it right now. Yeah. And and I would say, you know, get to know if you can, you know, say a few words, introduce yourself to any of those, the staff that you encounter there just to kind of get on, because they're going to be the ones who, uh, when we are able to open back up and have events and and celebrate uh, getting out of this, then they're going to be the ones that have those those events. And if you know them, you'll have a point of contact when you go into those spaces and and, and a good reference point. Everybody that owns businesses and that is working at these businesses in Jackson, I don't know a single one of them to not be like friendly and welcoming to someone who's new or anybody in general. And they'll, they'll go out of their way to say, Hey, you know, good to see you here or, you know, meet my friend so-and-so. And those are really great ways to kind of connect with people is to connect with these business owners. Cause they're very, th that network is very expansive and very interconnected. Yeah. I was gonna say something about one of the businesses you listed, but I'm gonna let him make it. Cause Venom bullies me a lot, but I'm gonna let him make it. <laughs> well, I, I am like, you know, I my I'm the one of the biggest offbeat fans. I think that as a concept, yeah, what that store means and the greater context of America is amazing from just what it is as a art gallery for artists who need to know how to show their work and and market their work, Venom will take them through that. Yeah. As I, 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 oh, go, go ahead. Because I'm looking up the information. So go ahead while you're, I'm going to look As an apparel up. store, as a record store. I mean, I'm a big records collector. My wife and I both collected before we were together. And then we just combined our collection. and We collect all the time. He will order anything that I need if he doesn't have it already in store. He has a, a, it's apparel. It's, it's, comic books it's local comic books it's local artists it's a toy store it's a collector's store and it's a venue and yeah i've done things from poetry slams to a listening party of pell's new album to we've done a mural on the side of his building yeah it's anything and everything as far as culture goes I had a conversation um, today with someone and I'm like uh, Victoria Kelly and I might just 
include her information to show notes since I'm talking about her. And I was like, Kelly, I was like, we had the same last name. Are we cousins? And she was like, Ashley, we had this conversation at Offbeat, but you were drinking mimosas. (laughs) (laughs) She was like, we already had this conversation. But I also want to mention that Robert, Robert was on my podcast for episode nine. And till this day, he has the top rate, um, like the most listens of any episode in the podcast wow. history, but he has artwork there now. Um, he's on Black Pocket Podcast as well. He's a big supporter and listener. So I saw he recently had, like he's been putting out artwork, it looks like every day since like the pandemic started. So yeah, like, his awesome. stuff is hanging up there. And I know That's with solid. Offbeat, um, you can make uh, appointments to go there and make sure yeah. you wear your mask that he's not going to let yes. you in. <laughs> uh-uh. Well, and now the mayor's not going to let you in, so. <laughs> no, I saw that. Yeah. It's, uh, it's got, you know, I, so I serve on the mayor's task force for Mm -hmm. the pandemic and, um, I, I've been really proud to serve on that committee because I think the mayor's leadership has been really strong and he's had to make really tough decisions because he obviously does not want to, um, tell people what to do outside of what he can and can't do so. And he, he wants people to have their freedoms and he wants businesses to be open and to be able to be as open as they can be. However, we do have a, a duty to keep the public, um, to the best of our ability, informed and accountable to other citizens. And when it comes to masks, it's become very clear that you wearing a mask has to do with your respect and your ability to keep it from other people from getting it. Um, and so that we feel like that's the next step it's being done in other cities um montgomery is another great example of where that's being done and as we've seen these numbers go up mm-hmm. it, so that we don't have to shut the city back down we've got to take some action and so i appreciate his leadership on that and i know it's going to be a tough thing and a tough call but i think it's very necessary can i ask a question if possible Absolutely. you can ask the mayor during okay. your next meeting or right before okay. the press conference that comes out maybe this episode will be out before his press conference does he need help with anyone pepper spraying people who are not wearing a mask? Well, just want to be that as old uh, pepper sprayer. Okay. So my first weapon. <laughs> I'll let I'll let Chief Davis know too. I'll say you know we've got a citizens brigade coming. You know they're they're armed and bedazzled. Yeah. <laughs> so um. Are there any other like favorite places that you like to eat out? A lot of people have talked about how they've saved so much money during the pandemic. They're not out as much. And I'm like, we have done curbside. Like we have not stopped. Like we have eaten. This week is our first week attempting not to eat out every day. Yeah. Yeah. I, I We like right at the beginning of it, we were like really good. And when all the restaurants were closed, like we were like really good. We're like going to make meals at home, which was like, kind of new for us to do so consistently because we just love to eat out because there's so many great restaurants and then as restaurants started to open a lot of these pop-ups and Elvis was doing something every single week that was totally different and manship did their pop-up and jeff was selling bread at the, at the yeah. grocery stores we were like digging back in and you know we we just try to kind of keep those restaurants because we've seen that some like seren may not make it back out of this and yeah and so i you know and then also keep, I, I would recommend to people keep an ear out for some of these events that just kind of happen. And, and, you know, I, 
they're not going to be tailored towards kind of where people feel like they can, they're going to be like, come with your group and stay with your group kind of thing, yeah. which is going to be hard and kind of feel that way. But I think some of the events like, you know, uh, Bonder did dining on dueling and I'm sure yeah. they're going to do it again. And the city just did their fireworks show, you know, I, try your best to kind of reach out. It's, I'm sure it's got to be a hard time for somebody who's new here mm-hmm. um, of, of getting plugged in. Cause I think people have kind of found their like, COVID pockets and they're kind of like their COVID crew mm-hmm. and you know they don't very understandably don't want to like you know get in too large a circles to say we don't want this thing to spread but it's got to be a tough time but I you know I think there are some events out there I know the city just did their thing keep an eye out for that dueling dining on dueling it went over very well I think they'll do it again yeah. um and and just kind of plug into some of the local business networks too just as you see people in around patronizing these businesses because they they stay connected they they know people who are you know welcoming and and willing to you know meet meet somebody new yeah COVID crew is such a I feel like you need to like <laughs> I'm gonna like start a thing. Yeah, because I think about like our street is probably our like COVID crew because all of the kids kind of play together on the street and stuff. So that's really, you know, they play outside together. That's really been it for us, you know. But um, I want to try Dumbo's. So I've oh, been seeing so a lot good. of posts about them. And I, we went twice in a row. Really? And I have so to say, good. the most exciting thing was being able to get alcohol to go. Yeah, I, that was a huge win. You know, uh, I so I worked with Jordan Hillman, who's the director of planning, um, and Ricky Thigpen on on co-writing the reopen policies, and we were involved in a lot of that. And Jordan's talking about that 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 council order, and and that ABC at the state level was being really kind of understanding and welcoming of it. And Tupelo mm-hmm. had done it, and so we had a great precedent for it. And then she went forward, and and council passed it, and that's a great thing. And, and it was, we were just glad to be able to get, you know, mimosas from Green Ghost again and margaritas, not mimosas. I don't drink alcohol. So I don't know. My wife's like, it's, it's margaritas. I'm like, it's beer. You sound like, actually, he doesn't drink either. But yeah, I was like, as soon as the first thing I got was a margarita and like a ridiculous <laughs> size. So I got like a 16 ounce or something like I clearly, well, y'all may not know, but I did not drink all of it that night i kind of split it up <laughs> but i was you know, like can, it goes great in the fridge for another day or the freezer yes, for another yes yes i was like oh i was like is this home now oh, oh my gosh you just had a that's what oh our dogs freak like anything moving outside oh uh, well hopefully y'all haven't heard my kids in the background so no, i haven't heard anything <laughs> that was okay they don't sell mimosas the green ghost does not sell mimosas they're gonna have to sell it now they should start selling it now yeah they're gonna have to <laughs> sorry for that interruption <laughs> no problem um so yeah so what are you most excited to do when outside opens what do you think? I am most excited to go to the movies. <laughs> um, I love going to the movies. And and I'm also excited about being able to kind of, to have concerts again, to go and see live music again, um, to get things back going. I just know how much it, it really affects 
so many business owners and so many of the things that we do. And, you know, to be able to get out very, you know, and just like give people a big hug that you haven't seen in a while that you're like, not like, you know, where, where are we, you know, how comfortable are you? And I'm already like that prior. <laughs> like, hold on. But I definitely miss, I had a lot of travel pl- planned for like spring yes. and summer. So all that I'm holding on to a trip that was supposed to be in September that I'm pretty sure that's probably not going to happen. And now my family is like planning their, the family trip for July of next year. And I'm kind of like, I don't know. Cause we already have to start making like our deposit and stuff. And I'm like, yeah. I don't know if I want to start paying on anything. Cause we just don't know what's going to happen. But so I definitely miss like, I was lucky enough to see my family for my girl and not come back and spread anything. <laughs> So, but yeah. that's the last time I saw a lot of them. So, and that's tough. We were, we're the same way with travel. It's like we we and we booked a trip. We decided we we're going to try to go to Paris. We've wanted to go to Europe for a while, and we, we've got it booked for November, mostly because we we're like the flights were great price. Yeah, I know. And, like flights are like, please book flights. Yes. <laughs> and and we're like, okay. And they're like, you can rebook within a year if you need to. And so yeah. we're like, okay, we can push it back if we need to. But I'm just itching. To kind of like, you know, I know y'all are the same way. You said that, you know, you, you like to go and adventure and see other cities. And when I'm in another place, I just like get that inspiration and that rejuvenation there. And, and I'm just ready to kind of get that again. Southwest airlines tickets are so cheap. I know. I just wish they were flying out of here still. I know. I know. And that's the hard part for me. It's like, sometimes it's, is it going to be paying more money to fly Jackson or is it worth driving three hours, parking my car at the airport, parking it with family. But if I park at the airport, most times I'm going to do that because I just want to hop on in the car and get home. But going there and driving to New Orleans is one thing, but the problem is when it's time to come back. Yep. And it's like, do I feel like driving three hours? And the answer is usually no. Nope. (laughs) Because I will spend a night and like go home because, you know, it's my home. But like coming back, I'm like, oh, I want to, go home and get in my yep. bed and that's like always a challenge so yeah i don't know we'll see um like i said i just um most of our family we can get to via car so i'll be satisfied with that if i get to see them um sometime this year i don't know if we don't get our stuff together there's not gonna be any travel to europe europe is starting to say they're like <laughs> shutting it down and like yeah. no americans please no americans <laughs> yeah. like i don't blame you we've all probably got some form of it on our skin yeah or if you get there they're gonna make you stay there for like two weeks before they release you yeah so like book a book a month in europe y'all yeah. book a month <laughs> or just move over there i mean you might yeah, right. this point. it's gonna be a a, a whole thing yep yep have to get a job find new friends listen to right paris transplants podcast yep <laughs> a friend i think um so he resides in china and he came here for vacation because he was like the tickets are basically free so he went to hawaii and he's like i didn't pay anything to go but when he went back to china interestingly uh he had to be at a hotel for he said it was a really nice hotel we had to stay there for two weeks before he was able like to go home some people it's worth it yeah, yeah, I don't blame him. If I if I <laughs> if I could do that, I'd be doing it. You know what? If I didn't have a kid, I might be willing to like wrap myself or put myself like in a bubble and fly. Uh-huh. But since we have the tot, like we're just gonna like lay. And yeah. plus, I'm, 
I keep forgetting like I'm literally like in school so yeah I have that part too I can't do anything well <laughs> I'm gonna include everything in the show notes but do you want to let these uh shady people know where they can follow you yeah so you can find me on Facebook Instagram I'm on Twitter but I don't really tweet unless it's like sharing an Instagram but uh J David Lewis on just about everything um that's where you can find me Okay, we're going to make sure that we include the links to um, the planetarium and stuff. Great. That'd be awesome because, um, yeah, we'd love for people to be supportive. Yeah, the merch and the crop tops. Yes. <laughs> Kitty stickers, crop tops. Here we and go. And kitten heels. And kitten heels. <laughs> well, for everyone else, you can follow me at Jackson Transplant, spell Jax, and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, I'm on Patreon now, so patreon.com slash Jackson Transplants. Make sure you support this podcast. And I think that's it. I guess I will talk to these haters later. <laughs> awesome. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye.